Kelly. Hey there, Serpa. <laughs> we still haven't. I know. Figure that out. It's fine. No. Maybe by episode 10. Maybe. Do you want to cheers? Cheers. I can't believe we're doing this. Still, I'm so excited. I know. We've had a lot of movement. We have. It's been an exciting past few episodes. If you haven't listened to our previous ones before today's, um, please take a listen. We would love to have you share your feedback with us. Um, Subscribe, rate, and review us. And contact us at naked at mimosasandhotsauce.com and give us your feedback also. Or let us know if you have any topics you want us to cover. But, Kelly, I have to tell you. So you and I do a lot of, and the group in general, does a lot of just getting together and sharing some libations. Libations. That weird, that word is so weird to me. I, I, I only said it because I knew you were going to talk I about know, it. So what happened? You're just a freak in general. So libations is just fun to you. Um, so the other night we were all here um, and we have been drinking. Okay. And I was not here. So I'm listening. <laughs> I'm actually listening just with everyone else. Tell me more. She hasn't heard the story yet. Um, so we had a conversation about kind of what was happening goes kind of in theme with our first couple of episodes. Right. And the topic that came up was defunding the police. Okay. And there was what I would consider um, some hot and heavy conversation, but also mixed in was healthy dialogue. Um, I do think that you have to create an environment um, and hopefully we create that here in our house with all friends and family that comes over here that if conversations come up and people don't agree on certain topics that as long as as long as you're listening to one another and being open-minded and willing to listen and understand and try to, and try to, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for there, but just being open-minded sure, in general, yeah, right? or just taking in, taking in, yep, taking it in. So it's we had some really, <laughs> that was a tough conversation. Um, and really, I think the reason why some of these topics get so ugly so quickly is because people truly do not understand what it is that they're talking about, or they have one sided version of what it is. Mm -hmm. So it got a little bit ugly, um, but not really ugly. Dre's going to tell me I'm being um, rude about that. It wasn't ugly. It was definitely heated, healthy conversation. Would you agree? So um, we have some other people in the room, but I wanted to tell you a little bit about why I wanted to do this. Well, I think just to commentary on you, some of you, what you were talking about, I think people can get defensive pretty fast if, and protective, right? I think in your immediate piece is to be protective of something that you felt like you've known and defund the police. We, you and I had conversations. What does that actually mean? What is it? What doesn't it mean? And I'm hoping that in today's dialogue, we will be able to, you know, unpack what that means, what it doesn't mean and what we should be looking for in the next, you know, how we vote and, you know, what's next as well. We're not going to have all the answers here because I'm, I know who's you know sitting at this round table. I think it's going to be a healthy dialogue and for us just to, you know, figure out and answer our own questions and you know, be each other's friends. Right. And, and, it's in, and to kind of see, but why don't you, we've got some people here. Yes. Why don't you help introduce what that looks like? Awesome. So we have a friend here all the way from California. Yeah, yeah. He's here for the week and I, of course, um, took advantage of him being here by having him come over. Gave him some libations and picking his brain. Um, so this is Dre. Do you want to introduce yourself, Dre? Yeah, I'm uh, DeAndre Douglas, born and raised in Watts, California. Uh, I'm visiting my godson. Some of you may know him as Camden. He seems to be a hot topic on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's me. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Welcome. Thank you. 
And then we've got Matt, Mr. Matt. Hey, what's up, guys? A bit about <laughs> what's going on? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, Matt Enos, uh, shoot, I was born in Akron, Ohio. I uh, grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I moved to Atlanta from New York City. A um, little bit of a conglomeration of things. I play college basketball. I'm a designer. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, uh, Is there a box you don't check? You know, uh, there are a lot of boxes I do check. Uh, <laughs> never on the negative side. Um, but no, I, you know, I, I have a unique perspective on a lot of things just because of the places I've lived, the people I've been around, and um, I try to use that for the good of everyone. So uh, here I am. Man, I feel like I should have thrown in a couple. Get some more. Hey. Yeah. Plug, we told plug. you to plug. Plug. Yeah. Uh, you know, I run a five minute mile. <laughs> <laughs> So let me be clear. I've never ran a five-minute mile. I fall asleep in about five minutes. <laughs> I can help you. Yeah. I can help you. <laughs> Tell us more about you, though. Yeah, talk to us. I, I don't know so can I say it. where we met? Are we okay to yeah, talk about yeah. So, Dre, uh, my history of kind of my career is I spent almost eight years at Verizon, and I was blessed enough to build some amazing friendships and relationships in my time there. Um, I'm no longer at Verizon, but... I have continued those friendships and DeAndre was one of them. Um, and so when he came in town this weekend and this conversation kind of happened, it was perfect um, timing, I feel like. But give a little plug, like seriously, share whatever you yeah, want I to. Just, uh, I'll say this. Um, I lived here, what, seven, eight years. And I would say it's very different in California. Um, a lot of stuff happened while I was here that I wouldn't change. Um, obviously, I gained a godson out of it. And mm-hmm. that's why I frequent here so, so often. But um, I think I can provide a unique perspective from the West Coast, East Coast, because, you know, you have the, the liberal West Coast and then you have the more conservative uh, South. So, yeah, I'm just hoping I can add some color. No, for sure. Yeah. I agree. So let's start there. Let's start. What is defunding the police? What is it not? Uh, I think let's just start there. I think that's what we need to think. Okay, cool. I'll take that. All right. So um, I guess I'll start with, you know, when I first heard the term defund, it took me to a pretty negative space because I actually thought that there were people out there who wanted to get rid of the police forces across the country. And, and maybe that's true in, in some way, shape or form. But I, now that I've researched it and, and really dove into the topic, I understand that that's not what it is mm-hmm. at all. But I also understand that police reform is a major, major topic that's long overdue. And defunding the police is just one facet of that. And in the simplest form to me, it's reallocating resources away from the police budget and putting them where it might help society as a whole. Right. Now, there's going to be debates on where it should go and things of that nature, but I feel like we have to get that part right as well. Can't move or reallocate money and put it in places where it shouldn't go. Right. We need to put it in places where it would help. I want to be able to make the point that defunding the police or reallocating is actually going to be more supportive for the police officers because they're going to, we're going to be able to understand their training differently, support them and not put them in positions to only use excessive force, give them a different set of resources to also help protect the folks and the young, you know, especially the up and comers, you know, being able to be and want to be a police officer give them a different lens and different support and different training that's going to only help support them. Matt, what are your thoughts? 
Um, I'll, I'll take the question from the top. When I first heard of it, I thought the same thing as Dre did. You know, it's it's a it's a programming thing. When you see defund the police, you immediately rush to, oh man, what's a world without police? What's going to happen? Who do I call? All these fearful thoughts. So uh, I want to rise above the actual conversation and help people understand that that is programming, and it's programming for a certain reason to divide people. Um, it really should be called refunding the police, not defunding the police. Um, like Dre said, it's a reallocation of funds. Um, if you just do simple research on the uh, crime rates, uh, it's very easy to understand. It's a socioeconomic issue. Um, when you reallocate these funds to certain people and raise their ocean, so to speak, you raise their ability to pay for common services and a basic human needs. Uh, when they can do that, just like, and I use white suburban America as an example, what happens in white suburban America? The neighborhood polices themselves. That is a direct, that is directly correlated with their ability to provide for their family. When people cannot provide for their family, the crime rate increases. It's really easy to understand. I am a bit overgeneralizing, but the majority falls under these circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really a refunding of the police. And to your point, uh, Kelly, a refunding of the police will actually benefit the police officers themselves. Um, if they're here to serve the people, why aren't they looked at as servants to the people? No one looks at them as servants to the people. I don't. I'm a Polish and Greek white male born in America, but no one looks at them, and especially not black people. Not at all. And if I could just piggyback off that, yeah. just, just a tad. I saw an interesting meme. Um, the other day, and it says, if the police did their job, people would trust them. There ain't no song out there that says F the fire department. Right. And I, and I was trying to figure out where's the lie in that statement. So that directly correlates to what you were talking about. Yeah, firemen are looked at as servants of the community. When you see a fireman, a fire truck, it is immediately a positive thing. You smile, you're like, oh, they're going to save people from a fire, even if it's fucking goes by at 100 miles an hour, it's still a positive thing. You love the sound yeah. of the truck. It's right. a distress, it's a good thing. even though right. it's a distress yes. situation for them. When a cop flies by you or gets behind you for a split second, it is immediate fear. That is for everyone. And for black people, it is a thousandfold for everyone else. So imagine what you feel if you are white or not a person of color and, and multiply that by 10,000. I read an article on brookings.edu um, by Rashawn Ray, and it says data shows that nine out of 10 calls for service are non-violent encounters for the police. Yeah. So this doesn't mean that the incident will not turn violent, but police at times contribute to the escalation of violent force, and the police officer's skill set and training are often out of sync with the social interactions that they have. So just to your point, Matt, what you're saying is a social economic issue as well. So police officers are mostly trained in use of force tactics and worst case scenarios to reduce potential threats. And however, most of their interactions with civilians start with a conversation. Um, but again, advocates for defund movement are shifting funding to social services that can help improve things such as mental health, addiction, homelessness, is, and it's an also a better use of taxpayer money all the way around. And by the way, with the things you've listed there, we're, one can say we're, we're almost asking too much of our cops. Oh, because sure. I can tell you, 
I don't know how I would deal with an addict, if you will. I don't know how to deal with some a schizophrenic that was having an episode, if you will, right? That's a that's a different problem. Why do you call the cops to deal with homeless people? Right. Yeah. It's over policing. Cops that's a social issue. That's not a criminal issue. So I'll bring up my um, brother-in-law who, if you've listened to the um, form, our previous episode, he talked about his time as a police officer. He was a police officer for 10 years and he was on a drug task force. And he was talking about how he would get called on to scenes where someone was high on drugs and he didn't under, and he didn't, he wasn't trained to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, you know, I, I wish somebody from the hot, somebody that was trained in that could have gone on that ride with me to let to deescalate it in that way. Um, so I think that's where some of that comes from. I was going to say, I, I, to kind of piggyback off of what Kelly was going down, I'd love to, to go down this route. So there's a website called procon.org and it takes all of the super, um, in your face kind of theory like thoughts and, um, and what people want to talk about, I guess, topics, um, the top threes and top cons, top three cons. So the first pro, right? Police departments are historically over oppressive and violent. Defunding them could reduce violence against people of color and overall crime. The con is when police departments budgets are cut, violence and civilian injuries increase and departments turn to taxation by citation to raise money. Y'all have any thoughts on those? Um, yeah, that's heavy. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, because we have a for-profit prison system that's directly connected to the police and the judges and everything else. So uh, that's a large topic. Uh, my thoughts on that are, yes, it's that way. They're going to get their money. Uh, regardless if it's from lobbying or not. Um, uh, yeah, uh, my only thought is, yeah, it's not a surprise. Right? It's connected to a for-profit prison system. So whenever you incentivize cops for any American business to do anything, do not be surprised when if they got to get their money by citations that they increase the rate they write them. And, and by the way, police didn't invent this, you know, policing by citations that that's been in place for several. Well, years. where have the jokes been? Right, you're like, don't drive on at least in Atlanta. You're like, don't drive on Georgia 400 on the last few days of the month because they yeah. are out like, oh, nonstop. And they are. You can you right? can almost see it. it. It makes it real for you for sure. You can see people getting pulled over mm-hmm. left and right or next to them. We're like, they haven't hit their quota yet. No, I don't know if that's accurate or not. Yeah, right, I'm, it's like I'm not sure if that's actually accurate. But, right. Uh, there are no coincidences in this world. I will say that. Yeah. Well, it also states that, you know, reallocating funding away from the police departments to other sectors of the government within your local community. So we're not saying, oh, we're going to cut and defund the police and therefore they're without money. It is just in a different sector within the government, within your local community. So, you know, it's not the money's there. It's just now using it to our taxpayer benefit. And the most important piece is the benefit of our communities that we're living and working, all communities. And that's the biggest thing. And by the way, it, it's time for like the police budget. We need to treat that like a business budget. Mm-hmm. We really do, right? We need to look at that and we should be able to tell every single line on that budget. When you look at the police yeah. budget, things are hidden under professional services. No one knows what that means. It doesn't break out every line, but it's, it's millions of dollars and it's, it's not broken out by line. So it's hidden. Right? How do you figure that out from looking at the budget? You can't. It's hidden. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say on purpose, but it's built in a way where you don't know where the money's going. And then when you sit, when you treat it like a business, 
the police can go out or the powers to be in the police departments can go out and find money. There are several grants out there from several organizations that will fund your local PD for the different things they do, depending on what they sponsor, right? Right now, what will happen is they'll just spend the money because they have it and it's in the budget. If we took some of that money away and put it would be better served, but it was maybe essential to them, I dare say they'd go find someone to sponsor or, or, or grant sure. them that money to sponsor that instead of just spending themselves. And for sure, Matt, I know you want to say some money over there, but this triggered a memory from when we were talking on Saturday night, right? About where some of treating it like a business. Me and Dre were talking about how there's kind of this phrase that's been a part, you've been in business for any like little amount of time. It's use your budget or you lose it, right? Use it or lose it. So if you can't, if you don't want to lose your budget for the following year, you figure out some way to use it. And I think that's where the, that's where the big part is, is like, if that budget's there, when's the last time you've looked at an at-risk community, right? And thought about going and spending money towards it in a positive way yep. where they can use it. Yeah. Uh, funding the police means the police will still be funded. They just won't be overfunded. Policemen are not mental health health counselors. They're not social workers. They're not medical professionals or education specialists. However, we still ask them to do a lot of those jobs and and pay them very little and pay them very little and uh, do those things and ask those things of them in an indirect and direct way. I think it's a blend, but, uh, and then ask them to be responsible for it all. So a completely insurmountable goal. Um, uh, it, it really emphasizes an idea of, you know, investing in the community, investing in the people, funding of schools, hospitals, services, infrastructure. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, I think I saw a meme. The New York City, the NYPD budget was $5.5 billion. Um, the housing budget for the same year was $700 million. Now, knowing that it's a so- crime is a, generally a socioeconomic issue, um, it's right in front of you, the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, people are smarter than this. We can't, like, look away. Five times, what is that? that that's like... Eight times the budget for housing to bring affordable housing to people who can otherwise not afford it, which would raise their ocean and decrease crime. But no, we're giving $5.5 billion for a police department. Yeah, Baltimore City Council just voted to reallocate $22 million away from the police department's fiscal budget for 2021, which is typically over $500 million. The city council plans to redirect the funding to recreational centers, trauma centers, and forgivable loans for Black-owned businesses. And so then um, the Prince George's County in Maryland aims to reallocate $20 million away from a new training facility for its police department. So that's $20 million was going to go toward a new facility. Mm-hmm. Now it's going toward trauma centers, forgivable loans for Black-owned businesses, recreational centers. All things that, again, to Matt's point and what we're all talking about, we have to not be inundated with this meme world as an M-E-N-E, right? The meme world, not mean, but because it's really easy to jump on this train of, well, that must must mean what it means. It's no more police and no more this. The fact that we can still look in a city as great as Atlanta mm-hmm. and say that we have underserved communities is a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. And I, I know that's where very large. 
very large underserved communities. And that's that stems from from the educational system all up in those areas. And to Matt's point earlier about you know white suburbia and things like that, that is where we need to concentrate these folks. We should have underserved communities. We have several hundreds of kids going to these schools, right? Why are they underserved? Well, Aaron said it in our first episode that the zip code that her kids live in literally dictates what kind of education they're going to get. Um, And that is a, to me, one of those heartbreaking moments of you've got kids that are just are brilliant, right? All of them brilliant or not, right? They just, they want the same education that kids are getting in a white suburbia, right? Part of town. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should not matter the zip code that they're in. But it's it systemic does. racism. <clears throat> this is right. for white people, designed by white people, all for the benefit of white people. This mm-hmm. is every construct in this country. This is just the one we chose to talk about today. Today. Yes. Uh, we've asked the cops to be <clears throat> like everything. Uh, we've asked the cops to be the responsible for the most pressing social issues in this country. And then to fix them with guns and handcuffs and charges and prison. Uh, I mean, most of our cities face a housing crisis, um, but we don't allocate funds to provide affordable housing for the people that need it most uh, for the, oh, by the way, richest country in the world that we're so great at being, right? Um, instead, we criminalize homelessness and send in the police to fix it. <laughs> or drugs are, the, you know, the war on drugs are destroying people's lives, you know? So instead of providing the treatment and recovery and support that real human beings need yep. to escape the addiction, we criminalize it and send them to police. Well, unless they're white, they need a case. They need treatment. They need recovery. Education, you can go on and on when you look at the allocation of funds in these cities. Atlanta is the place we're at. It's all out of whack. It's completely out of whack. And the police unions have a lot to do with it. It is a strong organization. They're at the footstep, uh, at the at the steps of the at, at, of Congress. They're lobbying. They're donating money under hidden associations like the National Sheriff's Association. I mean, what the fuck does that mean? Mm-hmm. Why are you donating $8 million to a congresswoman, woman or man? Right. It's just, it's it's the same thing. Fundamentally, in America, with every other industry, pharmaceuticals, they're at the doorstep of the fucking lot. They're lobbying their face off. It, it, it goes on and on. This is a, 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 an issue that shows itself in multiple problems in this country. Is it, is it safe to say, to your point, that we criminalize socioeconomic issues when really what you're asking for is we need to decriminalize, decriminalize those and now? Yeah. And then we can solve. We can start solving problems. There are poor people. People got set back in their life for hundreds of years. Most of them black guys. Like, how do we help the the position where (coughs) you know I don't want to pay for that as a taxpayer? Right. There's a lot of people that you know. Why should my taxpayer money go to that? That's not how necessarily I feel, but when we take a look at just you're just talking about things it's like probably um, arguments that you've heard back, right? Absolutely. B- because um, when the ocean rises, every boat rises. That is why uh, it is just fundamental. 
Um, if everyone has, generally the people at the top are going to ha have even more, right? Because everyone has money to spend with their companies or on their services or whatever it means. But again, it's like a trickle effect. It is a trickle. Yeah. That, that's the real trickle down economics. The other trickle down economics from a you know entrepreneur standpoint is kind of a, a farce. But this is real trickle down economics where real human beings get funding to benefit their lives and raise real families. You don't think through generations that's going to benefit society overall? Being raised right, educating people's families that otherwise cannot be? Yeah. It's really common sense, guys. So yes. Or just decency, right? Yeah, it's, 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 that to it's me is fear. common. That's that is common decency fear. to want to, to lift other people up around you. If you, if, if it doesn't bother you to think that there are um, kids that literally are in school that if they are not at a school that um, offers free and reduced lunches, then they may not be able to eat. Right. Um, or go back to when, now that we're under um, now that we're under COVID like lockdown again, pretty much. Right. These kids, they've had to allow scenarios where these families can drive by and get like just brown, bag, low, lunches. Yeah, brown bag lunches and yeah. um, of groceries so that they can continue to live. Um, if that doesn't bother you or it doesn't break your heart, our podcast is not going it, to get there. <laughs> there are bigger things happening in your life, but I think it's right. But <laughs> if it does in some way, shape or form bother you and you want to figure out how to make it better, that's why we want you to listen to conversations I, like this. I, first of all, to have a conversation like this is great, right? Because those are, that's a very selfish mindset. Right, sure. a very there's a lot of selfishness. A very intolerable mindset, and the world would do better if everyone could rid themselves of their selfish tendencies to say like I don't want to fund it. Well, first of all, when you when you pose the question, what do you want to fund? They don't have an idea about that either, right? So like we all could serve, you know, indoctrination. Yeah, you know. So I I always turn it back on them, and then they don't know where they want to go with that. And it's like why'd you say it? Because it came from a selfish place. Versus you being more open and honest and being a decent human being, and the world just needs more of that. We need to be. We need to be decent. Yeah, we've lost empathy and we've lost the love frequency. We're on the fear frequency, man. Uh, defund the police is fear mongering, but it, it immediately sends fear to everyone, uh, whether or not you're directly affected. Um, you know. Would you agree that the majority of people saying defund the police in support of it? Don't truly understand what it means yeah. to. I don't think anyone understands. Uh, cops don't either, by the way. Yep. Um, and I, I want to make this point. Um, I had a couple. I have a couple cop friends, and the first thing they posted after this, like, "Good luck dealing with that rape. Good luck dealing with that murder." Well, first of all, you're there after the fact. Right. You didn't stop anything. Right. You're there after the fact. So check yourself in the mirror and realize that you're there to catch somebody. And we all know we run the numbers. You're not good at. You're it. not good at. It. That's that's a. Now I'm not saying we don't need cops, but that's across the board. You're not really that good at it, but they're like, well, we're going to, they're going to defund us. So now I can't feed my, my, you know, my, my wife and children is like, bro, have you seen the budget? The first line on the budget is, is the cop's salaries. It's the first line on the budget that doesn't go down right? ever. That's the one line that doesn't move. No one's taking your salaries away. And right. if it were, if I had my way, I'd pay you more. Right. You absolutely. Know, oh, absolutely. Hands down. Yeah. I make the job more yeah. competitive. Yeah. You know, you. You know how to make more competitive? Raise the salary. Yep. And train them. <laughs> like, for the love, I'm not saying to train them about all things because they're called to 
get cats out of a fucking tree to potholes to but, something else. And it's, it's not, that's not the point, but it's, do they have things at their fingertips? Are they well prepared to manage situations? And they still have a lot of paperwork that they're still put on their plate. I'll say this. You pay a cop a hundred thousand dollars, you're going to give them the training because mm-hmm. you're not going to put a hundred thousand dollar bad uh, cop out on the street. I assure you that yep. that's when it will become more of a business mindset. Right. No one is going to do that and they will be held accountable. When you have the average, what is it? 30, 35,000, 40,000 across the board. You can put a couple $40,000 cops out there and mm-hmm. not really, eh, you know, they, they, they pass a certification. Right. What did your brother-in-law say? It was maybe eight hours of some training that was, um, I'm going to get this completely wrong. No, it was like eight hours of like police training and 54 hours of shooting training. It was, Oh, that's right. It was so, it was so backwards. And I I want, I want a cop. I want anyone who's going to carry a gun to be gun responsible for sure. However, eight hours of something that was to deal with your everyday people. Um, it was just mind boggling. So, so, to become a barber, it takes 1,500 hours of training. To become a licensed cosmetologist, it takes 1,600 hours of training, give or take. These may or may not be the exact numbers in your state, but give or take. Police academy training can range from 700 hours to 1,000 hours. So why does a barber go through double the amount of hours of training than more than someone who's supposed to serve the community. That makes absolutely zero sense. You know who's really serving the community? The barber. Yeah. 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 Missed them the most during the pandemic. Yeah. They, 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 they even have done more for people. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you. Anyway, so let, you get my point, though. Yeah, right? for sure. For sure. Did you have anything else to add? To no, that's not okay. So for... Did you have anything on that? No, I'm just now, I'm just kind of curious on how the conversation y'all had on Saturday. How did it end? Like, where did it get heated? I'm kind of, I'm confused on what was the argument or heat? Well, I think it was confusion. Okay, good. Confusion, right? I feel like confusion um, from one of the parties involved. Love him to death. Hope that I didn't give him away. <laughs> but when he listens to this, he'll, he'll hear it. But um, I think it was confusion. And although... I'm saying some a lot of the same things I'm saying now. Drinking. Oh, um, for sure, yeah. And and two to three people ganging up on one person will never go right the right way when, when drinks are involved, right. whether you, whether we're family or not. And we are family. Yeah. Right. But it'll never go the right way. So then even towards the end, I was like, let me dial it back. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm getting a little too animated and I don't even need to do all that like you know. Yeah, and I think the ultimate who he's who where to go a little bit further into what he was saying is so the thought process of the other person was so why can't you give that person why why can't we pay them one hundred twenty thousand one hundred forty thousand dollars a year and give them enough training to handle a de escalation of somebody cracked out or on some crazy drug we can and also to train them into I can't remember the third thing was. Um, just how to handle some of the things, how to handle addicts, how to handle the homeless, how to handle the, mental health. So yeah, mental health. So I think in his in our conversation, it was I think that sounds a little bit. I would love to for you to dig in on that, Max. He probably would have loved to have had you here if that's what you're for you to have that response. Uh, it was it was just a little bit 
to be like, oh, absolutely. You're going to train somebody to be an EMT, a therapist, and a police officer for $120,000 a year. That, that's basically double their salary. It would actually work. Know. Yeah, I think that would work. I mean, if you're going to double or... I, I mean, that's a large pay increase from what I hear about what cops make. I don't know. Um, so, yes, I do think that Sounds you, like will, triple you will get a higher quality training. You'll generally, uh, and I got to be careful with my words, a more socially responsible human being <laughs> at that level of pay and a more aware person. Lack of awareness multiplied by ignorance is why we're here. Oh. Yes, and and yeah. by the way, can I just unpack that? Just no, I would love for you back to. the socioeconomic but, thing. Yes. Directly back to that. Of course, when you take care of people, they're going to look at their job differently. They're going to work differently, just like you do in your own job. For sure. No, absolutely. And the reason why I was looking at you, y'all, y'all were not on video, so you couldn't see my face towards Dre. But when this topic came up on Saturday, that's probably when he felt like he was getting the most pushback, pushback, pushback. was because of that statement. Um, because we were like, you can't just turn three people into one person and, and up their salary by $60,000. Because change doesn't happen overnight, right? And, and you just went through the hours right now. That would require an immense increase in hours of training to, to, to get someone at that level of awareness and, and, and ability to do that job. But the fact of the matter is we have the systems and the mechanisms in place to deal with these socioeconomic issues already out there, right. we don't pair them up. Right. We ask the cops to do it all, but we don't pair them up. Yeah. The mental health specialists do not talk to the police department. And if they do, there's probably very little of it. Uh, you know, I'm kind of talking out of context right now because I'm not educated in this topic, but my guess is there could be a lot more uh, integration between Mental health specialists, go talk to cops, find out what they deal with every day. Shit, have a weekly meeting with a certain groups. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just stating that I do think in some ways things can get better and the connection and integration between social services would be a great place to start. Think about the example you gave earlier about our homeless, right? What's to stop us from saying we have a homeless issue here, can contacting the shelter who's trained to deal with this, pick them up, if you will, on the way, or say, meet us here and let's see what we can do. Why arrest a homeless person or force them to move? Or bring more escalation. Or or escalation. You had a bad day or you have no idea. Or profit prison system. Yes. And you can't meet cash bail, then you end up in the prison for a week, two, three weeks. Every day you spend in jail, someone else lines their pocket. Um, so I'm going to go to, for time's sake, cause we've had some really good dialogue. Um, I would love to finish this on. So in the, com- on Saturday, we ended up being able to, in a very cool way, um, have the opportunity to speak to our former mayor here in Atlanta, Mayor Reed, to get his input on defunding the police and his ultimate statement at the end, Dre again, correct me if I'm wrong here was if we spent the right amount of focus and time and budget on our at-risk youth. Absolutely. It would be a very large, it would, it would solve a lot of what we're dealing with. 
Um, and so I am a former probation officer, juvenile probation officer. That's what I went to school for. That's what I, went, I did for the first couple of years outside of school. Um, I have a, I've said it a thousand times. If I won the lottery tomorrow, I would build an at-risk youth home and bring in as many kids as I could to bring them out of the scenarios that they're in and provide them an environment that would allow them to be more successful. Um, so I'm super passionate about this topic and I would love to hear y'all side about how you do of like what that looks like, what it means to serve at-risk youth, how we could do a better job of doing that on our own. Right. And what that would look like by that kind of what you said, what you said it perfectly, not being socially responsible, socially responsible and helping those that are not in our inner circle. Kind of thing. First of all, I would like to say how easy that rolled off um, Reed's talent. I, I right. couldn't believe how quick. It was the quickest thing. He's a, like, where do we go from here? He's like, at risk. Here. At risk. You. And at I was risk. like, wow. I mm-hmm. was like, okay. Yeah. Like that's someone who knows what they're talking right. about. Right. Here's what I would like to see when, when we say deal with at risk. You. I would like to maybe decriminalize the police to at risk you, if you will. Mm-hmm. So like for me, when it comes to, you know, helping the, the, our underserved communities and our at-risk, at-risk youth, I would like to see cops head up that, yep. head up that reform there, or head that up, because then the trust will start to come back. We can put all the reforms and, and everything we want in place, but if people still don't trust the cops, where are we going to be, right? right? We're still going to have these escalations on both sides, right? right? And I think that that's where I, and like I said, I can go on all all day about this topic, but I feel like that's where I would want to see first, because that's what speaks most volume to me. Right. Right. It's cops scare me. Point point one. Yeah. Cop gets behind me. I'm almost guaranteed to get pulled over because I'm going to do something stupid because I'm too nervous <laughs> to think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If we change that mentality, I think I'm not saying that's the only way, but I think that that will help great out start. a great deal. That's For a great sure. start. Um, agreed. Uh, uh, at-risk youth is a reflection of how they're raised by their parents. Every human being walking in this world is a direct reflection of how they were raised. Uh, there are several books and very famous books on this topic. Um, uh, so it, it's poignant that he said that because if you fix the problem before it starts, mm-hmm. again, I point to the communities that do not have these issues. What are they doing? They're taking care of the kids from the start. They're raised correctly. There, there is no at-risk youth. They have a whole community. It takes a village. When the village is gone, it's not a surprise. So, you know, he's right. Uh, it all starts at a young age. Uh, everything we go through in life starts at a young age, whether or not most people are aware of it. It's your ability to unlearn the bullshit that was programmed in you. Mm-hmm. Well, at risk, I agree. I think yeah. that's when I love the idea of the police actually leading that volunteer or leading that youth um, community program, right? To me, that it's all simple shit that we're talking about. But I think we need to remove our fears and remove our defense mechanisms and just understand what we're talking about. And I think I was like many of you and probably a lot of the listeners when I was, we need to change that name. I mean, it changed the name of defund the police to something else because I don't like it. It made me uncomfortable. Refund. And I love the refund. I love but I what I do, what I do like it, <laughs> what I do appreciate defund is that it shouldn't help get some attention. Yes. Right. And it's making some movement. And I think it started that this conversation. It started this conversation. Sure. It started tons of conversations. And I think 
you know, sometimes it takes the defund and that, you know, and us being really uncomfortable for us to get naked with some <laughs> mimosas and hot sauce to really understand there's an impact and some value in what we're trying to do. Imagine if the cops didn't have black uniforms. Imagine if they just got rebranded all together. Yellow. Imagine if they were yellow. Picture yellow. that in your mind. Yellow roses How much are my favorite, more by the way. open you'd be if someone <laughs> walked up to you in a yellow suit. It sounds ridiculous <laughs> and goofy, but I'm serious. It's, like, it it's programming, of a, man. It's, it reminds me of the, it's the, the guy that had Curious George. Imagine that you didn't think a conversation and questioning was going to lead to violence or an escalation. Right. It was just, hey, I'm just talking to my local community officer. Well, I'll fuck you up too. You you know what I mean? I want, don't get me wrong. No one doesn't want to be police. Right. But but home invasion is one of my largest fears. And I want someone, I want to be able to feel very secure. Get a gun. Don't worry. I got it. I got it. Got it. But. I also want to make sure however I'm calling, I would probably be a little weirded out if someone came in with a yellow uniform and, you know, but I understand what the piece is to it, right? That's programming. You wouldn't be weird if that was the way it always works. As long as I knew that the training was there, right? Of course, like, of course. Of course. That, and, and, of course. One, one can say that things like home invasions would be non-existent if we, didn't, so, if yeah. we train the kids that are doing the home invasion right. Right. or who feel they need to right. to get stuff that because they don't have. Things they cannot do. Very true. Um, um, so we, I think we can't ahead, skip this topic without talking about the origination of where the police force started. The cops were invented specifically to find runaway slaves. If you do your research, you can see old badges of literally like slavery uh, branding on chasing down old slaves. So the original cop force was actually slave catchers. And then you just simply understand our current police force. It's kind of still the same thing. We are enslaving people directly in a systematic way. Um, The first, and it's really interesting when you break down, when you look at the breakdown from the first cops in uh, Boston, uh, like the first publicly funded organized police force was in Boston in 1838. They were, uh, Businesses had been hiring people to protect their property privately. They went and funded it because so many people were doing it. But in the South, in the South, they hired these people to catch slaves. Property takes on a different name. Exactly. So you got to make that binary. You have to understand that uh, left, you know, the binary situation there. And then look at our country. The North and the South, you know, we're kind of still there in some ways, guys, you know, um, especially when it comes to the fact. Well, that was we do. (laughs) We have a lot to do. I was going to say, so that some of the feedback we've been given, would you agree, Cal, over the last couple of episodes is we started talking about certain topics and people have wished we would have gone a little bit further in them. So we obviously just broached this topic and dug in as kind of deep as we felt like we should have gone. But we would love if there's anybody listening that feels like they could provide a different insight. Um, we are not a podcast that is sharing one-sided views of any way. We want to hear both sides. Um, and so we would love to have you on. Please email us at naked at mimosasandhotsauce.com. And please rate, 
subscribe and review us or is it, what is it subscribe right and review do it all yeah do it all on spotify and apple Podcasts. we so appreciate you being here and also like our social media is super important to be able to like and comment um so at mimosas and hot and what i don't know what our, what our mm-hmm. at mimosas and hot sauce is our our instagram thank you um matt what's yours mine is at m period c period enos e-n-o-s my enos uh, rhymes with school <laughs> um and uh my brand is at, at enos official e-n-o-s official nice nice Dre, shout Sure, mine is underscore Dre Douglas underscore. Hey. <laughs> I had to get those underscores. Yeah. I love well, it. We appreciate you guys. Thank yes. you so much. This is helpful. Y'all for are me, awesome. For sure. Your yes. knowledge on these on this topic is awesome. So thank you so much for being here, and we will talk to you guys soon. Awesome. Until next time. Bye. Thank you.